Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Being choked out by the cares of this world, worrying too much. Man, sometimes the best remedy is just to look up to heaven. It's just to look to Jesus. Just to look up to him. Because I know what it feels like when worry consumes my mind and I feel like a wild man. I feel like I'm not in my right state of mind, so to speak. But when I fix my eyes on Jesus, it's like the sanity returns. God has given commands to his people to obey and warnings of what's to come in order to humble and change them when they stray. Because ultimately, God's desire is for all men's hearts to change and to be loyal and faithful to Him. And today, Pastor James will encourage you, when you find yourself far from God, wild, wandering, and desperate, turn to God in humility and in faith. Don't ignore God's words and warnings, but humble yourself and follow the Lord. God has mercy for those who seek Him. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Daniel chapter 4 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. He's like, Daniel, you've done it before. I need you to do it again, right? So he tells him this. And upon hearing this, Daniel is disturbed by this. It's almost as if the realization, maybe as Nebuchadnezzar was telling him the dream, the spirit of God was telling Daniel, hey, buddy, this is what this means. Because he gets the interpretation immediately, and it absolutely shuts him down. Upon hearing this, verse 19 Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, uh, was overcome for a time, frightened by the meaning of the dream. Then the king said to him, Belshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. Belshazzar replied, I wish the events foreshadowing in this dream would happen to your enemies, my lord, and not to you. The tree you saw growing very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. Uh, It had fresh green leaves and was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. That tree, your majesty, is you. For you have grown strong and great. Your greatness reaches up to the heaven and your rule to the ends of the earth. This is what the dream means. Your majesty and what the Most High has declared will happen to my Lord, the King. You will be driven from human society. And you will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. But the stump and the roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again When you have learned that heaven rules, King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. So 
the dream is Nebuchadnezzar has, I mean, he is given this God dream one more time. And he, what he wouldn't learn in Daniel chapter 2 with the statue and the fact that, look, Nebuchadnezzar, you represent this golden head of this statue, you, i.e. Babylon, but that's not going to last. And then we see in Daniel chapter 3 that Nebuchadnezzar, years down the road, was like, you know what? That whole statue thing was really great, but the whole thing should have been gold. So let's build a really tall 70-foot statue of gold because that's what I'm worthy of. So he missed the first dream. He missed all that good interpretation and, and the little heads up that God had been giving him. So God gives him another dream. Sometimes the way, the, the best way to God, uh, for God to speak to certain individuals is, is through their dreams. Why? Well, because sometimes that's the only time they'll slow down. They'll slow down. I don't know what Nebuchadnezzar was like during the daytime or, you know, in his awake hours, but more than, I mean, he wasn't paying attention to much of anything. But in his unrestful nights as a leader, because leaders most of the time have unrestful nights, especially when you're approaching the end of it all, because you know the next guy's coming up. Maybe that would be his son. We know it would be. Well, we'll see that it's his grandson. But for whatever reason, in the middle of the night, God speaks to Nebuchadnezzar. And he does it through dreams. And he gives him this heads up. This is what's so amazing about God, because God could have been like, look, Nebuchadnezzar, man, I, I used you how I wanted to, because he, he brought the captives he, you know, from Israel. He used Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon to initiate, really to bring upon judgment to the nation of Israel, because they were deserving of it. They didn't want to obey God. And God had told them, look, an enemy is going to be coming. I'm actually directing them to, towards you, and they will take you away as captives for 70 years. God used Nebuchadnezzar. But God was also gracious to this pagan Gentile king by giving him multiple chances to, hey, come worship me. Just because you're a pagan, just because you're a Gentile, doesn't mean that you can't worship God. That's the beauty about this. And God reached out to Nebuchadnezzar maybe one more time with this dream. And here it is again, man. Nebuchadnezzar, he was a great leader. And I use that term great to mean this. He was very effective in his rule. He was able to conquer a lot. I'm not saying he was a great guy because history would tell us that he wasn't all that great of a guy. He was actually really cruel. But he, he has this dream, and, and you, you see it. I mean, it's the tree, and it goes all the way up to the heavens, and the, the branches spread far and wide, and it is a fruitful tree, and other people are benefiting off of this, the life of this tree, which would have been true, especially for the people of Babylon, because Babylon was enjoying like a very prosperous time during Nebuchadnezzar's reign. Man, they were accomplishing a lot of things, and they had good stuff going on in Babylon when Nebuchadnezzar was ruling there. He did a whole lot, and actually we'll see that in just a second, as he forgets all about the dream and all about the interpretation and all about the, the admonition from Daniel. Hey, Nebuchadnezzar, here's my encouragement for you. Here's my advice. Repent. 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 Stop sinning. Do what is right. Do what's right. Nebuchadnezzar, this is a warning. This is a heads up. God has given you a heads up. He's given you a chance to stop what you're doing and just 
pay attention. Maybe he was neglecting the poor. Some way or another, he had to been because Daniel includes within there, you know, break free from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Maybe he was just unjust towards the poor. Oftentimes, leaders look down upon the poor, right? It's, it's all about, we see this, I mean, time and time again. I mean, it's, the poor are only good for basically one thing, and that's votes, okay? Um, and we can manipulate them, and we give them a bunch of free stuff to keep them on our side and make sure they vote the right way and all this stuff. They, oftentimes, and it's sad, not every leader, because there are good, I think within our nation, there are good leaders who care about the poor, but there's a lot of leaders who do not care, even though they say it, they don't care about the poor. And I'm talking to you, Democratic Party. It's true. It's true. Don't champion the poor when you don't care about the poor. You're hypocrites. And that's true. All it takes is doing a little bit of history. And you see that. We live in a city, close to a city called Houston, Texas, uh, that is by and large, democratically controlled, and they do not care about the poor. They don't. They don't. We see that. If you live here, you know that, right? Anybody watching online, all that good stuff? Look, I'm not knocking you if you're a Democrat. I don't really care about any of that stuff, honestly. But what I am saying is don't say you represent something when you actually don't represent something. Leaders who have access to resources like Nebuchadnezzar would have should be taking care of those who can't take care of themselves. And I think oftentimes that's what, what quote unquote, the poor means. It's not talking about lazy people who won't get off their rear ends and do stuff. It's talking about those who actually can't. They should be taking care of the poor. Nebuchadnezzar, stop from your wicked past. Break free from your wicked past. Show mercy to the poor. Show mercy to those who are in desperate need of mercy. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. Daniel says, look, dude, all you got to do is just repent. What you need to do is repent. And God has given you the opportunity to repent. So stop this and do what's right. And Nebuchadnezzar forgets all about it. He forgets all about it. We know he forgets all about it because a year later, the fulfillment of this prophetic dream happens. Verse 28. But all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. They all did. Twelve months later, he was walking or taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. As he looked out across the city, he said, look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. It has gone to his head. And he did great things. I mean, there's no discrediting it. However, he has failed to remember the fact that he has been told repeatedly by some Jewish young men, you're only here because God put you here. You're only in charge because God put you in charge. And you better recognize that because as quickly as you ascended, you can be cast out. He's walking around the flat of the roof, and he's like, man, look, at, look how awesome I am. Really, look how awesome I am. He's like taking selfie, selfies all over and hashtag, I did that, and all this nonsense. He loved it. The hanging gardens, 
I did that. That's me. These Babylonian outer walls that were 56 miles long, 80 feet wide, 320 feet high, according to uh, uh, Herodotus, the Greek historian. He's like, I did all this. Look what I built. Look at the kingdom I built. Look how amazing I am. The 53 temples that were constructed to various gods. I did that. That's all me. The temple of Marduk, which would have been his god of preference, with its ziggurat of 288 feet. I don't know what the deal is with Babylonians and their desire to build really tall things. Okay? Go back to Genesis. They did something back then, too. It was crazy. He's just walking around, strolling around, admiring all that he had accomplished without giving proper due to God who had placed him there. Well, I was born into this. Well, you're not born unless God says you can be born, unless he creates you. Verse 31, while these words were still in his mouth. Remember, this is Nebuchadnezzar telling this story. Probably Daniel is the guy writing it all down. And this is all in Aramaic, but this is the leader of the known world exposing his downfall, which rarely, if ever, happened back then. Rarely would this happen. No way in the world the lead guy in all the world would say, let me tell you about this time that I totally messed up, right? You're not going to hear that a lot. I mean, turn on our local news and, I mean, we can't rely on the guy who's in there right now to give us anything coherent, but any of these top leaders, you're never going to hear them say, you know what, I need to apologize. You'll never hear that. You're not going to hear it because in their minds... They have nothing to apologize for. They're never going to give us the moment of like, you know what, man, I totally messed up. We're not going to see that. So even in our day, this is super rare. For have somebody who's in charge, they're in charge of the known world say, man, can I tell you this of how I just totally goofed up majorly, right? Can I share this with you guys? Because most guys would be afraid of losing the respect of their followers. Nebuchadnezzar's at the end of his life. He's like, what do I got to lose? Well, what do I have to lose? And he owns it. And this is, this is really cool. So again, this is him telling the story where he says, while these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. And I bet he paid attention. As you and I hopefully pay attention. If you ever hear an audible voice coming from heaven, you should stop whatever you're doing and tune in with both ears, Okay. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. Well, you can't do that. You can't vote them out. Oh, you don't think I can. <laughs> Yo, you don't think I can cause that person to be tossed out? God can do it. He can do it. Whether that's in our country, whether that's in communist China, whether that's in all these corrupt governments, uh, you know, that are just unfortunately taking advantage of a lot of people, Nick, globally, God's like, don't worry about it. They're there because I put them there and they'll be gone when I want them to be gone. And sometimes, rarely, I think, don't hear about this happening too much, except for in Nebuchadnezzar's case, this was a temporary thing. 
Because God wanted to get a hold of him. He wanted to get his attention. You're no longer the ruler. You will be driven from, ver- from human uh, society. This is verse 32. You will live in the fields with the wild animals and you will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the most high rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. He's like, you remember the dream a year ago? Yeah, I was serious about that. And I even gave you 12 months, 12 months. I gave you a whole year to chew the cud, so to speak, on that. I mean, that's, uh, he will be literally doing that. Um, he's like, I, I gave you 12 years to ruminate over that. And you did nothing with it. You ignored it. And so here you are celebrating how awesome you are. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're done. You're out. You're out. And he really suffers from some sort of like mental illness. He literally loses his mind. It doesn't like this logical, rational thing, which what humans should be known for and not irrational things like the animal kingdom is known for. We've even, I mean, my goodness, it seems like we've mixed those things up even in our modern history. It's like, what happened to logic? What happened to reason? Why are we living like animals? Maybe God's trying to teach us all a lesson. Maybe he's still doing these kind of works in the lives of men and women across this planet. He's like, you're, you're going to be eating grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass by. And we, again, that, um, there's a little bit of debate on the length of that, but by and large, most commentators and, and experts and all that would agree that that's about seven years time. It, and it really, it should be seven years time. It's what we need to understand is that number seven being completion, it, it really probably is communicating the fact that Nebuchadnezzar, it's going to take you a while until this sets in. We would like to think like, man, like day one, if I find like I've lost my mind and I'm out in the fields and I'm eating grass right next to the cows, I'd be like, all right, I'm done. Lord, I'm sorry. I apologize. But that's not how it works, is it? That's not how it always works. Sometimes it takes some time, time spent out in the fields, chewing on grass like a cow before we actually realize, like, I don't think this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't think this is is what God has for me. Let out a little moo here or there on the old McDonald's farm and uh, wake up realizing, I think this is rock bottom. I think I've hit rock bottom. Um, Yeah. You would have. If you find yourself in the field chewing grass like a cow, you have hit rock bottom. And you need to look up and repent and give your life to the Lord. Okay? So he says, uh, seven periods of time will pass uh, while you live this way until you learn that the most high rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. Verse 33, that same hour, the judgment was fulfilled and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow. Nebuchadnezzar's telling this story. He is saying, I ate grass like a cow. This isn't like some like, you know, hyperbole or some sort of weird poetic kind of thing. And it's not like Daniel spicing up the story. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, this is what I did. I may have been out of my mind, but I knew what I was doing. I was like an animal. 
says, I, I, he ate grass like a cow. He was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was, lo- was long as eagle's feathers and his nails, fingernails, toenails, like bird's claws. Oh, that's so disturbing and gross. You need a Halloween costume? Might I suggest Nebuchadnezzar as a wild man? Um, that might win you a prize at a party. I don't know, but um, yeah, he, his hair is crazy. His fingernails were grown out. His toenails were grown out. I mean, he, he looked wild. He looked wild. He was, he was literally outside of his mind. He was. Verse 34 Here's the transition, the wake up. After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity returned. And I praised and worshiped the most high and honored the one who lives forever. He says, it took me about seven years. Could he have been done earlier? Probably. Was he going to be? No. It was going to take him seven years of chewing grass next to Betsy in the field before he actually like looked up and was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is amazing. This is beautiful. This is, this is a testimony of what God can do with anyone and everyone. This is incredible. Nebuchadnezzar, ruler of the known world, humbled by God, humbled by God, dethroned by God for seven years, out in the field, living as a madman, until he looked up to heaven. And it wasn't until he looked up to heaven, it wasn't until then that his, that his sanity had returned to him. Here's a good, good little practical application for for some of us. Maybe for some of us who struggle with certain things like anxiety and depression, which are real things. Um, And I'm not talking about like those that, you know, because sometimes there's chemical imbalances and I'm not necessarily talking about that, but I am talking about sometimes being choked out by the cares of this world, worrying too much. Man, sometimes the best remedy is just to look up to heaven is just to look to Jesus, just to look up to him. Because I know what it feels like when worry consumes my mind and I feel like a wild man. I feel like I'm not in my right state of mind, so to speak. But when I fix my eyes on Jesus, it's like the sanity returns kind of a thing. I'm not saying if you struggle with anxiety or worry that you're crazy or that you're insane. I think we understand that. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that there is a peace that surpasses all understanding that can be found in Jesus. And when, I, when my eyes are fixed on me, it's chaos. But when my eyes get fixed onto him, it's peace. It's peace. And it's amazing. That's what happened for Nebuchadnezzar. He looks up and his sanity returned. And then the direct result of that is, I praised him. I worshiped God. Man, that should always be our response. Hope 
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of Daniel. In it, you'll notice many interesting storylines through Daniel's life. He was exiled from his birthplace and was an alien in a foreign country for the rest of his life. What would it be like to live in a country that wasn't yours for all of your adult life? Would you wallow in self-pity because of your circumstances, or would you make the most of where God chose to use you? Daniel did the latter, making an impact in a wicked country that worshipped foreign gods. But God still used him in a mighty way. God can do the same with you today as you live your life in a country and world that you might not belong in. You may feel outnumbered and surrounded by idolatry of all sorts, but God can still use you greatly, even in this ministry. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston, and we'd be honored if you'd pray with us for all of those who are a part of our listening audience. Pray that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Would you also pray about partnering with us financially? All donations are appreciated no matter what the size is. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for coming alongside us in sharing the gospel message. There's much more to learn and glean from the Old Testament book of Daniel, including prophecy and faith. We hope you'll tune in again for another edition with Pastor James, as he has more to share about the life of Daniel here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.